Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. So it's a story I love to tell from the life of Bishop William Willimon when he was the chaplain at Duke University. He then became a bishop, and I think he's now retired, actually, is what he is. Um, But he tells his story. He's a college campus, right? And he has a uh, student come to his office, um, a mother of a student come to his office one day. And she's pretty distraught. She's pretty upset. She's concerned about, you know, her daughter and and the life that's there. And and so as she's crying uncontrollably about her daughter, um, she says, you know, we sent our daughter to this prestigious university. We planned on her becoming a lawyer, being successful, accomplishing much in her life. We thought it'd be a good thing if she got involved in a a campus Christian fellowship. So she got pretty involved in that thing. And the mother said the involvement in this religious group would be good for her, be a good part of her life. But now, in her senior year, her daughter had made it plain to her parents that she was not going to law school. She was instead going to Bolivia to work with students and the poor there. This mother says to Bishop Willimon, no one in our family has ever done anything like this. I can't figure out how she got all this into her head. We're Episcopalians from Atlanta after all. I wish it wasn't so true. One of the many blessings that has come from the formation of the Anglican Church in North America, of which we are a part, is the intentional priority of the gospel mandate. We got all kinds of things and issues, don't get me wrong, we're not perfect. But that's rock-solid truth that is a priority. And this morning throughout the church, we're celebrating World Mission Sunday, which is also something that's not, uh, it's kind of new, I guess, um, with the ACNA and our, our practice of taking this Sunday before the last Sunday of Epiphany and designating it across the province as World Mission Sunday. And I don't know, I, I think it's a perfect fit for us this morning as we will also have for us our annual congregational meeting. Because it's a great day to remember, remember our purpose, our mission, who we are. To go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Author and American philosopher Dallas Willard, known for his writing on spiritual formation, said the following. He said, God's intent was to have a kingdom in which we are significantly involved. God's kingdom you are significantly involved. I am significantly involved. If you take away anything this morning, that's what I want you to take away. You, we are significantly involved in God's kingdom. He went on to say, every human being, wherever they may be, is given the opportunity to enter into a companionship, a working relationship with God. The kingdom of God is what God is doing 
And his plan is for us to be a part of what he is doing. And he defines a disciple as follows. He says, a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus did. As today is going to be our annual meeting, I want to just interject something here for you this morning. First, uh, a great deal of thanks uh, to our new deacon, Britt Dearman. He put together, did a lot of the, the, the back work, the leg work for the uh, getting together the parish profile, um, and to Lauren for her incredible gifts to make it look so good um, and to put it up on the website. And so that it's there now that for any prospective rector candidate, for you, for people anywhere to look at it. Um, but listen to what it says about our, who we are. It says, Apostles is a Christ-centered church with a vision to be a community that wants to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Just before he ascended, Jesus gave his disciples what we now call the Great Commission, this passage from Matthew's Gospel. These are his final parting instructions, so they obviously are important. And there are a lot of dimensions about this passage, so um, given a lot of the desire to make this morning all work with everything we're doing, um, I'm not going to dive into this with a lot of passage, a lot of each of the parts of it, so don't expect that or fret that or whatever that might be. I want to look at two dimensions of it this morning, just two, just two aspects. The first, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all nations. As I've already mentioned, we celebrate the Sunday as World Mission, World Mission Sunday, so it seems very appropriate to focus here on that this morning. Rick Warren reminds us in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, this commission has been given to every follower of Jesus, not just pastors, not just missionaries. He humorously points out this is the, not the great suggestion. Um, it's the commission of Jesus to all of his disciples. And his call was for us to go to all nations. His desire is for the good news of Jesus to be shared to all nations across the globe. And he gave them not only the charge, but he gave them the authority and the power. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And like I said, there's a lot in this passage. I'm not going to feather out that at all. But, but he gave them the authority and the power. They've given that to fulfill the calling. All the necessary paperwork, all the stamps, all the passports, all the whatever, all that was needed to go to all the nations, we have been given. Now, you may not have thought about this very much, but you do realize that God doesn't really need for us to do that work, right? He doesn't need us to spread the gospel throughout the world. There are many other ways, maybe many more that we think would be more efficient, but he chose us. He chose each one of us. That's his plan, and there is no plan B. We are the plan. And I love that kind of peek into heaven that we get there in Revelation. It's a long section there, but we got a portion of it this morning. And John writes, after this, I looked, he looking in and seeing, what's he see? A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes, from all the peoples, and all the language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I love that picture. 
Um, I don't know, I'm sure you all have heard all those jokes about how when different groups, and I won't, I won't make any one group be that group, but when, when you get to heaven, you know, you have to be quiet because they think they're the only group that's here in heaven. They're all tribes, all nations. We're not all going to be who we are. We're going to be a breadth of the God's world represented from all nations. And we're called to be significantly involved as disciples in that great commission to go and call all those nations so that that picture is fulfilled because we've done what God's called us to do. So every disciple, every disciple is to be a world Christian, ready to share and to serve the Lord across the entire globe. Nancy and I can relate on some level with that mother and her missionary daughter. For our own daughter, Allie, when her freshman year of college, went with a group to a thing called Christmas in China. And she missed the first Christmas with us, which there, you can just picture what that was for a parent. But she went um, to spend Christmas in China and to not drag the story out, she came back that summer, went and spent the summer in China, went back the next time for Christmas in China, went back the following summer for China, and then when she graduated, she moved to China and lived there for five years until things went really south with China, not with her. They basically ran the group that she was with out. Um, so, but she still has lots of connections and lots of time there. Um, but I went and visited a couple of times. On one time, I went um, with, uh, on a sabbatical that I was taking, and so I, had, I got an opportunity to stand there. And so I got to meet some of the people she was with and, and there were, that she was working with, and they were there. And, of course, I had all my images of what that would be and stuff. And I thought, you know, how nice. I get to meet these people my daughter is spending time with, doing life with, and really kind of fun. Well, when we got to the place for lunch, we ordered and we exchanged those, you know, typical sort of pleasantries, right? Well, you know, how many, what's your family? Well, you know, all those things that you might typically do. But then, after we'd ordered, without a moment's hesitation, Allie looked at one of them and said, okay, who's going to share first? And I thought, okay, who's going to share first? What? And what proceeded to happen was one by one, they shared their testimonies. They shared their testimonies. They shared how they'd come to faith in Jesus. And for several of them, the challenge and the cost was great. The cost of their family relationships, having been kicked out of their house. The fact that all the, the little altars and statues that their parents have had that they spoke against offended their parents. And I saw these mostly young people and saw their love and their devotion to caring for the lost like I'd never seen. I'd never seen it before. Allie herself wrote an, an update on her ministry back then. Our congregation supported her, um, and I've kept it forever. And I'm not going to read it all to you, but I think it gives you a glimpse, a flavor, perhaps. She says, what's my calling? Why am I in East Asia? What's my heart? The problem with all these questions is that it makes it about me and my story. The truth is it's not my story. I had other plans, other desires, and other hopes. But God planned for me to be where I am. He's the one that directed me to where I needed to go. God was leading me to the lost so I could truly understand salvation. I've experienced the glories of Christ in ways that make me want more. It has become a constant hunger in my soul, not only for me to know him more, but for everybody to know him more. 
And I wanted to share her words with you this morning, not because I believe everyone here should go home and pack your bags and head off to China tomorrow. No, I understand not every single person is called to be a missionary to a foreign country. Some are, so if that's you, then I am definitely speaking to you. However, we are all called to be significantly involved as disciples in the Great Commission's call to go to all nations. Every disciple is a world Christian. So my question this morning, what is your role in fulfilling the Great Commission? How are you answering that call? And just to be clear, it's not a yes or no question. In my experience, many of us have not heard. We've we've gotten, you know, grown up pretty parochially. We've grown up pretty much in our own little worlds and our own little things, um, or we've ignored the call. Well, this morning, the church, because we call this World Mission Sunday, the gospel and Jesus himself are asking the question, how will we answer? So that's the first part of the gospel uh, this morning. The second dimension of this Great Commission um, I'd like to reflect on this morning could be one of those things that we all know, um, but have we really considered it deeply? And I, I'll say something here briefly to tell you that uh, I'm going to go a little off script this morning, um, and so um, it's one of those, I don't know, I just, well, you'll see. We'll, we'll get there. But I wonder, have you ever noticed um, that the Great Commission ends with a promise? I mean, don't we always sometimes think about it as that this is what we're supposed to do, supposed to go? We emphasize that first word, right, go, and, and we're supposed to do this, and we're supposed to make all, all these, all these um, commands, all these um, active verbs that we're supposed to do. But did you realize it ends with a promise? A promise. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I suspect it isn't an accident, Right? Because honestly, our only hope of fulfilling the Great Commission, of sharing the good news of God's grace in his life, death, and resurrection of Jesus with the world is by keeping in touch with that promise that Christ will be with us. He'll be with us. It doesn't rely on you. You don't have to go do it. As Ali said, it's not her story. It's his story. And he's the one who's guiding and directing it. And it's all on him. And here again, if we just simply allow this verse to kind of just go roll over our heads and not stopping to think of its power, we might miss it. Notice Jesus' language. It's not just future tense, right? It's not saying, when you go, I'll be there. No, he says, I am with you. I will be with you always. So Christ is with us here this morning, even now, even here, even when we struggle, even when we struggle at home, at work, or in the world. Christ is with us. He's encouraging us, comforting us, working with us, guiding us, granting us the grace and necessary to be who God's called us to be. He thought we might forget it and think, take it as our own responsibility. Now, here's where I want to go off a little bit because it just really captured my imagination this week. Um, I think I've shared with you all that uh, um, in this year, um, the last several years, as part of my personal devotional time, I read through a chronological daily Bible to get the whole sort of picture to, uh, together. I, I find it great. If you're interested, I'm happy to share with you what it is. 
And I don't believe in God, I mean, coincidences. I think they're all God incidents. So it was fascinating to me that as I've been thinking about this morning, preparing for this morning, um, I was reading from the book of Exodus. And so let me set to the scene for you. Moses went up to the mountain, right? And he received the Ten Commandments. But while he was away, the people became um, a little anxious and restless and doubting. And so Aaron makes them a, ca- an, an, um, a golden calf, right? For them to worship. Yeah, big picture is going over here fast, right? God's angry. Moses gets angry, throws down the Ten Commandments and breaks them, right? And things get so bad that lots of them are killed right there for not obeying. But God, nonetheless, tells them to continue on to the promised land. And he, when he tells Aaron this, listen, listen to what he says. He says, okay. Well, he didn't say okay. He said, go up. <laughs> he would have said it. Go, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. That line just jumped out at me. I don't know. You know, the things that you see that you haven't seen maybe once or I like Wait, God didn't go with them? God wasn't going to go with them? God told him, I'm not going with you? I thought that was, I thought that was all of it. But he says, no, I, I am not going with you, for you are a stiff-necked people. Wow. Now, of course, notice there was sin, there was idol worship, and it was so bad they had drifted so far from their relationship with the Lord that if they were in his presence, it would wipe them out. And he knew that, so it's an act of graciousness on God's part that he separates from them. But then he comes. But so Moses now goes in and intercedes on behalf of the people, and he tells the Lord, you called me to lead these people. You told me. You know me. They have a personal relationship. And based on that relationship, Moses says this. He says to God, that we need you, we want you to come. And the Lord says, now therefore, and then Moses says, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too, this nation is your people. After that act of repentance on Moses' part, the Lord says, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. The Lord will go with you and be in your midst. I know I'm kind of way off on a track. I got that, so my apologies this morning. But listen, following this, God gives, the very next thing that happens is they build the tabernacle. That's the very next thing. Before the tabernacle, right, was the tent, right? Do you know where the tent was? The tent was outside the camp. If they went to see God, they had to go outside. He wasn't in their midst. He was outside. Now we've had this whole incident take place, and they're going to build the tabernacle. And where is the Holy of Holies? in the midst. Where are the tribes? All around it. He's in their midst. And it continues from that point forward. His next presence will come to dwell among us personally in the person of Jesus, who will then die for our sins upon the cross, where at his death the veil will be broken, which means that his presence will now be unleashed to come be with us personally opening the way to be filled with the Holy Spirit and his presence, such that in his gospel this morning, he says, behold, I will be with you always to the end of the ages. He has come from apart to come to be with us in the midst of it. And the end of the Great Commission reminds us of what God has done for us. So this promise of being with us when he sends us out is because he's come to be with us, to be in in our presence, and to be with us wherever he sends us and whatever we'll do. Our sin is so separated from his presence that he 
took the effort to come by sending his son to pay the penalty, forgive our sins, and open the way to be with us for the end of the ages. And that good news is what we're called to share with all the nations, knowing that he'll always be with us and all those who are his followers, here, now, and to the end of the ages. So a couple of questions this morning to think as we go about our annual meeting in our day. What would have to change to see ourselves first and foremost as those sent by God on his mission? What would have to change? Secondly, later during annual meeting, we'll hear something of the various ways we're responding and participating as a parish to that call. But the question is, how can we help take the gospel to all nations? How can we be gospel Christians to the nations? The church has a collect that we use on this particular Sunday that I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer as we pray. Almighty God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you revealed the way of eternal life to every race and nation. Pour out this gift anew that by the preaching of the gospel, your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.